Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by San Francisco Public Transportation. Are you tired of using a car? Are you tired of, maybe you're from San Francisco and you've moved to Los Angeles for, for glory and fame and as you sit here, you're driving in your car, you realize you don't really want to do this. Then you should try San Francisco Public Transportation. There's only one catch. If you live in LA, you have to use it in San Francisco. Raymond, before we get started, why don't you let them know, where can they find us? You can like us at facebook.com slash the goldcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at the goldcast underscore as well as Instagram at the goldcast. You can also subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher. No matter what platform you're on, we are there. Simply type in the goldcast and you will find our profile. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe. Give us some feedback so we can make improvements to the show. And be sure to leave a review over on iTunes to give us some more love in the charts if you like what you hear. All right. That's where we are. Find us. <laughs> we are prejudice. All right. Here we go. A uh, lot to talk about this week. Uh, we're going to get a little bit into that Niner game, talk about some of where the NFC at. It is some crazy parody. Of course, we're also going to get into playoff predicts. Then a little bit about what's wrong with those effing Cavs. Cavs, uh, I called it, by the way, and then Vegas odds after the intro. Goldcast, let's do this. San Francisco, are you ready? ready? This is the Goldcast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Suisa III, and with me via his telephone is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa I, baby. Boom! Boom, 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 boom! Super Salisa Live in the streets of San Francisco. In the streets of San Francisco. Hill Street Blues, San Francisco. Bay Area! (laughs) Here we go. Super Solis Brothers in the house. Welcome to the San Francisco. Welcome to the Goldcast Nation. You know what? If you're listening to the Goldcast right now, it's because like us, you're a San Francisco homer. And maybe you're just tired of listening to national podcasts or national TV shows that only talk about New York, Boston, and Dallas. Because I know I am. That's why I'm here. You're here because we have gone to seven championships in seven years. We've walked away with five. We've been in all big three. We've been in the Super Bowl. We've been in the World Series. And we've been in the NBA Finals. And guess what? We got a dynasty in in, in baseball. And we're going to get a dynasty in basketball. Welcome to the Goldcast, baby. Damn, I'm hype right now. I'm hype. Like a little hype machine. All right, here we go. We're recording this on Tuesday, November 7th, a couple days after another brutal loss. Man, dude, Ray, C.J. Beathard really had an opportunity at the end of that game. And then he just threw that INT that basically squandered it. We had like three minutes left. We're down by 10. Arguably, the defense had done a pretty good job of stopping the Cardinals. Arguably, we get into the red zone. We get into the end zone. We stop them for a touchdown. Maybe we stop them. For, maybe we 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 get a touchdown, or at the very least, we kick a field goal and you know we see if we can get a touchdown on their final drive. That doesn't happen. It all goes the opposite way. 
Here's the thing. I I actually like C.J. Beathard, but, I mean, can we just talk about the brutality of that offensive line? You, you couldn't put Tom Brady back there, man. You couldn't put Aaron Rodgers back there. Once again, three years in a row, the offensive line is just depleted. And again, the injuries mount up. We got rid of our strength, our strength and conditioning coach. And yet again, another year with the injuries to the 49ers. Even if this team was balling at the beginning of the year, I just don't know what we'd be able to do with this many injuries. We're again one of the most injured teams in the whole the whole NFL. Now let me ask you a question, Ray. What do you think happens? What do you what do you I know I've actually like five questions in this, but what do you think happens? Do you think like you get to a point where you know, you see the writing on the wall, you see it's not going so well, and you just say, all right, fuck it. You know what? My hammy, bro. My hammy. My hammy. I'm out. I'm out. I got to lay down. I'm out. And you're kind of looking out with one eye as it pointing you out in the stretcher. You're kind of looking out, kind of giving a thumbs up to your wife going, we got the rest of the year off. Guaranteed money somewhere. I mean, what, what's what's the deal, man? Uh, I, I don't know. I was all over the place. Go ahead. You, you pick a spot, and I'll let you talk. It's hard to beat a dead horse such as our Niners week in and week out because it's like how many times can we go over the same problems yes the offensive line is terrible yes we have more players on IR you know we're among the top five and top three in the NFL and players on the IR if someone seems to go to the IR every single year or I'm sorry every single game it's extremely frustrating you know to watch because it's like every time a guy goes down we know our, our depth is so thin that it's like all right now that's that's less opportunity, you know, than, than we had even before. So, you know, the, the offensive line, we are, you know, second to last in sacks allowed per game in the NFL. We allow 3.6. We allowed five against Arizona. Um, we, you know, uh, it's we've allowed 4.7, you know, in the last three games. You know, the only team that allows more sacks than us is Indianapolis, who's hovering around four sacks a game allowed. So, you know, naturally, these are teams that are struggling right now. Denver's within the top four of sacks allowed. They've lost several straight. Green Bay hasn't been the same since Aaron Rodgers left. You know, Green Bay, Denver, Houston, San Francisco, Indianapolis, Cincinnati, Detroit, Buffalo, Arizona, the Jets, Cleveland, Washington. With the exception of Washington, what do all the teams I just named have in common? None of them have winning records. So your offensive line, if it's not good, is typically going to result in more L's than W's in the win column. And so this is something that needs to get addressed. I know people have talked about defensive line because we did lack a pass rush, but we've already invested three years in a row in that. I think the only one out of that three out of those three years that we need to probably cut ties with very soon is probably Eric Armstead. He's uh, he's still under a rookie contract, so he's still virtually inexpensive to keep on, but he goes on IR every year. And he's the one that is, that's most raw, that needs the most polish. And unfortunately, every time he seems to get gain some semblance of progress, he gets himself injured and then loses all all momentum within his progress. But Buckner and Thomas uh, seem to be panning out pretty well. Buckner obviously is kind of leading the pack because he he's the one who came out came out of college the most polished and has an extra year under his belt. Um, unlike Thomas, who's just working through his rookie campaign, coming off of the late. Late OTA participation because of uh, the Stanford rules, Stanford and NFL rules and how they apply. Anyways, going off on a tangent there, offensive line needs to be addressed first. Joe Staley is getting up there in years. Trent Thomas uh, is, is 
Trent, or sorry, Trent Brown, I think, is doing very well on the right side. It's the interior and the center that need the most addressing. Josh Garnett is a guard, but he hasn't panned out. He's been on, he's been IR since he came on, off and on. Daniel Kilgore hasn't been the same since his broken leg and gets beat consistently up the middle. Constantly missing assignments there over there, especially at left guard, too. So we need another interior, probably one or two, I would imagine. Probably one in the early rounds and then another one in the mid to late rounds is what I would do. In addition to that, we also need outside pressure. So the reason why some of our interior guys aren't getting beat is because, A, they're younger and inexperienced. But, B, there's no pressure from the outside to deter our defenses from double teaming our guys inside because that's where our strength is. So your scheme is very simple. Your threat from the outside can go, you can do man on man blocking from the outside, but on the interior, let's double up because big guys like Buckner, Earl Mitchell and uh, Thomas, well, Thomas is injured right now, but those types of guys can get penetration if you give them enough space. And so they plug up those space real quickly. And in terms of running, they're just not polished. You know, that's why our guards are getting to the second level. And they know that it's easier to do that because we have an experience uh, on the defensive line. And, and it, on top of that, we're lacking in the middle linebacker position because Brock Coyle seems to kind of be in a deer in the headlights half the time. And Reuben Foster is, you know, always one hit away from getting injured. It's, it's almost nerve-wracking watching him play because he's got so much exciting potential that's on par with guys like Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis, but his body seems to be extremely fragile right now, and I don't know if that's a guy that's going to pan out long-term. It just, it does, I don't see it right now, so, uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to pan out or if he's just going to get injured and fall on IR like everybody else. Who knows? It seems like it's going that way. If I was a betting man, I would say bet on, bet on Reuben Foster getting injured between now and the end of the season. I think it's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, so, and I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate to say it, but that's just the way. It, yeah, every game, it's something. Reuben Foster sits out a couple plays. Reuben Foster sits out a couple plays. If it's not his ribs, it's his shoulder. If it's not his shoulder, it's his, it's his, it's his ankle. You know, between the ankle, the ribs, and the shoulder, he's got a lot of sensitive areas working against him right now, and right, that's right, just—it's right, frustrating right, Ruben, to see. Reuben Foster is a sensitive guy. It's part of the problem. He's so sensitive. Sensitive at being an amazing player in college, but not so much in the NFL. <laughs> uh, you know, I've. I feel like three years in a row we've had this exact same conversation right around week eight or nine where we go, listen, man, we can't just keep saying the same thing every single podcast. You know, like that's going to make for a really boring gold cast if every week we just start saying the same damn things over and over. But uh, and it's the same damn things over and over. It's like three years in a row, like injuries, O-line, defensive line, n- no penetration, like, you know quarterbacks doesn't have time we we we, we just the same echoes yeah. and the guys that we've been investing investing in more from Trent Baalke than anybody else just have not panned out they haven't panned out on offensive line they haven't panned out on defensive line with the exception of DeForest Buckner it's just insane Jakiski Tart down his arm gets ripped off it's just it's man it's insane like the amount of injuries I, I it's like I, I don't believe it I'm like are you serious is this like a joke what is this? Are you guys kidding? Like, what, what's the deal with all this? But either way... I don't, I don't get it either. It's like, come on. I, I understand there's other teams that are going through this, but the consistency that we seem to be going through year in and year out for the last three years just seems highly 
impractical for any NFL team. It's like, what the hell is happening here? Is it just coincidence that we just happen to pick very fragile players? Is it the nature coincidence that it's just the nature of the game that's just kind of gotten the best of our guys? Or is it, or do we have really bad conditioning coaches that we've hired on since firing our previous crew? I mean, I don't get it. I, I, I honestly don't get it. I'm kind of at a loss for like what, what is happening with the health of our team and how come they, nobody can seem to stay healthy? I don't know either, man. Like we, I think at this point, I think we've had a total of like 60 players in three years. We have to be somewhere in there, probably higher than that. We have to be somewhere higher. Like, cause it's been at least 20. Got 20 this year. And we had 20-something the year before. And I think the year before with Harbaugh. I don't know, man. Like, like I wasn't even counting the Harbaugh year. I was just counting the Tom Sula, Chip Kelly, Shanahan years. But that's the most frustrating part of everything else. It's like, God damn, why the fuck is this, is this team so physically fragile? It doesn't make any sense at all as to why we're so fragile. I literally don't understand it. But, uh, I mean, we could literally we could sit here and just whine and complain on the Goldcast for, like, the next, like, you know, 40 minutes, but that's not what we came to do. We came to party. And by party, I mean parody. Let's talk about the NFC. Dude, the parody in the NFC right now is insane. It is insane. Uh, You've got Philadelphia at the top. Then underneath, you've got the Saints, the Rams. So here, I'll pull up the schedule. Here, you got Eagles at 8 1. Saints are 6 2. Vikings 6 2. Rams 6 2. Panthers 6 3. Cowboys 5 Five and three. One, two, three, four, five, six teams, all with almost virtually the same record. Oh, who, who to you really, I mean, I, for me, like everyone's like, what is going to have the playoffs? What do you think is going to happen in the playoffs? I don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs. I have no idea what's going to happen in the playoffs. I, maybe the Saints, uh, the Eagles to me look to be the best team in the NFC, but we all know that it's a completely even playing field the second the, po- the postseason begins. Who to you is standing out? The Rams have full control of the NFC West. I don't care what the Seahawks are saying. The Seahawks, if they're lucky, they're going to get a uh, they'll get a, a a a wild card spot. But that's about all you can guarantee them. What do you what do you if if I mean if you're even going to give them a guarantee? I don't really I don't think the Seahawks necessarily are going to make it. I don't I don't think so at all. Ray, what are your thoughts on the NFC and obviously? Rams are in full control. I think they're the real deal. Do you think they're the real deal? The Rams will be the real deal if they can win a playoff game. I understand they're making a good run right now, and they have the element of surprise because nobody knows Sean McVay. You know, next year, the year after, will be bigger test for Sean McVay. Right now, he has the element of surprise. Whenever you have a new coach, new scheme that's working well, or you have new players, uh, case in point, Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott, that are new in the league, and nobody's seen them, and they're playing at a high level, it's, they're always going to have the advantage because there isn't a whole lot of scouting reports to, to beat them. You know, same can be said for new pitchers, new batters that are doing well. You just don't have a lot of scouting data to combat, you know, their, their, their strengths right now. And you need time in order to do that. So right now, McVeigh's got that going for him and his team. Everyone knows the team, but nobody knows the system. They're playing very well. They're playing at a high level right now. You know, Atlanta had a new system with Kyle Shanahan. The same players, brand new system under Kyle Shanahan, and they got the best of the league that year and were able to go to the Super Bowl because of that. Um, and, you know, they, they, they had enough talent to execute that system at an extremely high level. And he mixed it up enough that just kept teams on their toes constantly, and that's why, you know, Matt Ryan was an MVP. 
So that's what's going on with the Rams right now. If they win a playoff game, I'll take them seriously. You know, getting to the playoffs, it seems like they, their trajectory is in good line to do that. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how they do the rest of the schedule. They seem to be handling everybody fairly well, you know, with, with a lot of assurance. So I think they're going to do good for the rest of the time, rest of the remainder of the season. Seahawks, you never know with them. I mean, they play well one game, and then they're 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 a little inconsistent, but they're consistent enough to stay above 500. They'll probably be battling Dallas for that the second wild card spot, but I imagine the first one's going to go to a, a much better team because there's a lot of good teams that are leading their division that are obviously going to get in if they keep that trajectory going, like the Eagles. But all the teams that are in, I see teams that are playing better with better records than Seattle also in second place. So the only other five and three team is the Cowboys. So that would be that would be where I would put the second wild card battle as the standings look right now. It could change uh, several weeks from now. Who knows? But that's how it looks right now. Well, the big so thing too, I, the big thing you have to look at with the Cowboys is Ezekiel Elliott going to play. You know, cause he's, if he's, I think he's truly. I mean, every week I hear he's truly out. This week is it's the start of everything. If he's truly out for for six weeks, then you know it is what it is. Yeah, I guess he was quoted as saying somewhere, you know, this is this is this is a lot more than just the case, which I thought was kind of ridiculous. But anyways, it's it's so frustrating that he's even able to kind of loophole the system in order to keep playing it by delaying and delaying and delaying. Uh, to me, if you can, if if the NFL can govern itself the way that it can, then you should do away with crap like that. Give them room for like one appeal, and then that's it. And then it's like, all right, if you're going to appeal this further your suspension's now going to start and your only chance will be to appeal it, appeal it like halfway through, like, all right, you're this week, you're, you're, you know, the appeal isn't going to be approved until after the second game suspension of the four games, meaning that if it got approved, then you would still fulfill those two games because there's no way around that. But then your appeal is approved and then you get to, you know, negate the remaining two games of the suspension. That's how it should work. All this crap that's happening right now, I think, is absolutely ridiculous. You have a charge levied against you that's pretty significant with a lot of witnesses and a lot of evidence, circumstantial or not. I don't know. I haven't seen it. But it's enough to convince the NFL to say, hey, you need to be suspended for X amount of games. But giving them all of this loophole leeway in order to kind of dodge the the beginning of it. I mean, had he accepted this thing from the very beginning, he would have been done by now. He would have been back in the lineup by now. It would already be uh, over. It'd be over. Yes. Yes. He would be back. In, and now, so to me, um, I hope, you know, I, I think this is a lesson that can be learned by the NFL in adjusting their rules. And at the same time, too, for players, um, this might be a lesson in just like, hey, you need to kind of quit while you're ahead because you're just delaying the inevitable. So now, instead of getting suspended for the latter half of it or the first half of the season you're now pushing us into the latter half of the season and they may very well push this into the playoffs if the if the cowboys make the playoffs and he finally runs out of appeal you know appeal cards then he's going to get suspended and miss the playoffs and then it's going to be even more crucial and you can pretty much count the cowboys out after that yeah i agree if you're going to if you're going to pick one team from the nfc to go to the playoffs give me your playoff predictions playoff predicts who are you going to put in there? Well, we're not we're not into that podcast yet, but I'll give you a preview. I think it's a very I think it's a shoe in that the Eagles get in. I don't see anybody stopping the Eagles. Um, and the if Saints, you go like, 
surprise well, this what, year at six. Yeah, they are. They are. And actually, every they were like showing some silly stat where like every other team that's ever gone zero and two and then won the next six games has actually gone to the Super Bowl. Which I'm like, that means absolutely nothing other than what a crazy numerical coincidence that is. <laughs> but exactly. I, you know, I don't. I don't. I, I still think if I mean if you were to put my a gun to my head today, I would say probably Philadelphia against. Oh my God, against maybe Pittsburgh. And it's or, probably like it's probably like two or three teams that have done that. Like the statistic probably like favors like two or three teams. If you show me twenty teams that have all done that and have all gone to the Super Bowl, then I'll say, Hey, people, place your bets. The odds are in your favor. But in this case, I'm like. That's as stupid as as any other statistic, random statistic that they've thrown out. You know, like like Tom Brady eats jet when he eats jelly sandwiches before Monday night games. He's you know five and and one. You know, it's it's like so <laughs> so what? That doesn't mean anything. So I, I just hate how they, they they just get so dissecting with with these stats. Well, it's just just because you can statistically record a pattern that's occurred more than once doesn't mean it has any bearing on what you're seeing in the, in the game or in a season in front of you. Like it's just a, it's just a statistical anomaly that's been recorded, you know? Yes. ESPN and NFL network just really love that stuff because they know there's a bunch of geeks out there that, that totally geek out about it. And, you know, a lot of those people are part of the fantasy football crowd, which is a huge, 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 um, crowd, you know, that's a huge audience. So they, they are, it's not like they're catering to a niche group. That's a very large audience that is, you know, part of a multi-billion dollar operation by and large. So I think, uh, it's, it's relevant in that regard. All right. So let me ask you a question. Uh, last thing before we got to go, we got to go in a couple minutes here, but number one, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, did I not call it or did I not call it on this very gold cast? Uh, during the summer when the Cavs made all the changes. I What did I say, Ray? What was the one thing I said that they didn't address with the Isaiah Thomas trade? Defense. And what are they the worst at in the NBA right now? Defense. <laughs> I mean, did I not call this? I, I, I said he was a defensive liability from the get-go. They literally, their inability to to have any defensive stops is what what ruined their their chances of winning the NBA Finals this year. They went against the third place the third place defensive team and the third place offensive team in the Warriors. They were unable to defeat them. They were the twenty seventh ranked defense. They had the number one ranked offense, and it didn't mean shit. Because literally, they got they got <laughs> mean shit. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm glad you noticed that. I was hoping you would. So uh, uh, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't mean shit. Because literally, they got stopped. They got stopped in five games. Gentlemen, sweep. And so, what do they do? They go out and get Isaiah Thomas, who's another prolific offensive player. Oh wait, wait a minute. Offense wasn't the problem here, and now they are too slow. They are too old and is currently constructed. I'll be honest, man. You know, kind of hot takey. I, I, don't, I don't know, man. Unless unless they get some big trade, I don't know if this team can make the make the make it to the finals this year. I don't know. I really Boston's looking pretty tough. Let's just put it that way. That's because Kyrie Irving is proving that he can lead a team um, on his own. I know he couldn't do that with the Cavaliers beforehand. But looks like he's able to do that, or he's doing that thus far this season. Now, yeah, Bill Simmons said something really great. You know, he's when people were complaining about whether or not Kyrie could lead a team, he was saying, "Well, you know, 
he goes, there isn't really a stat to show this, but if you, if your mom makes you dinner every single week all the time and kind of does everything around the kitchen and then randomly on one Wednesday goes, Hey, I'm going out for the night. You're on your own. You're probably going to make a pretty bad dinner because you just aren't really there. He goes, but if you're alone, like if you're alone in your own apartment making dinner, then, you know, you get the reps and you're probably, you're, you're probably going to do a lot better. And he goes, it kind of feels like that's the thing. It's like LeBron's doing everything. So when LeBron's not there, the team's a little lost, but that's kind of by LeBron's design. I was like, that was that little metaphor, the, the rest of that I'm adding, but the little metaphor about your mom cooking dinner, I thought that was a good metaphor. And I was like, that I think that makes sense. And he's like, I feel like that's that's what was going on, on over there with Kyrie. It was just, you know, mom's making dinner all the time. So then when mom I, I see what he means, I, I don't know. I don't know if mother making dinner is the first metaphor or analogy that I would jump to to explain that. <laughs> but uh, but I get I get what he means by that. so last ray and then we're gonna go uh new york giants at san francisco what do you think the spread is what's the spread oh my god because well this team's doing terrible too but i would have to look at their scoring offense to determine this but off the top of my head i'd have to say it's probably uh six points no you are ray Wow, I think that might be the first, maybe the only second, maybe second time you've been wrong this year. It's at well when it oh, when the line opened, it was 49ers by one, and now they're saying it's the Giants by one by one. Man, what a what a this this game is only going to be watched by two. I was going to say six or less. I knew it couldn't be more than 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 I knew it couldn't be more. I knew it wasn't a full touchdown, and it, but I wasn't sure if it was going to be. Uh, um, more than a field goal, though, well, or clearly, less than a field goal. Cl- clearly, Vegas doesn't trust anybody in this game, and they don't trust either offense. Oof, gosh, man, that's brutal. Uh, the question is, New York Giants by one point. Raymond, do you take that bet? Um, I'm going to say Niners get a win here. They're at home, so they have home field advantage. They are just as uh, beat up as the Giants. The Giants have an edge in terms of health. But uh, I think being at home, not having to travel, getting another, you know, practice of Beathard under his belt, I think that'll help. I know John Lynch is picking up other players to help solidify the injuries. So uh, we'll um, we'll see how that goes. But uh, I'm going to say Niners get their first win against the Giants. I'm going to say you're right, and I'm going to hope that you're right. And I'm going to tell you this, buddy. The, uh, the battle... Don't be, uh, don't turn off your dials, San Francisco and New York, because the battle for the first pick of the draft begins this Sunday. I hope you're ready, Raymond. Before we run off, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Ray Solis. You can also find me on Instagram at Ray Solis One. Boom! You can find me at Rudy Solis Third, Rudy Solis Three R D on Instagram and Twitter. Boom! Holla. Super Solis Brothers, we're going to be signing off. So concludes another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the faithful. I'm your host, Rudy Solis III, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Solis the First, baby. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same Goldcast time, same Goldcast motherfucking channel. This is, is the Goldcast.